it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Calling all Stu's Wrestling Podcast fans. This is your opportunity to help out Stu. Vote for Stu's Wrestling Podcast in the BBC Sounds Listener's Choice Awards. Head to www.britishpodcastawards.com. The winner will be announced on Saturday, the 11th of July, 2020, at the British Podcast Awards. Don't forget to smack down a vote for Stu's Wrestling Podcast before midday, 6th of July. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast, established 2019. Direct from the North Wales coast, his verbal skills definitely outweigh his wrestling ability. It's time for British Wrestling's sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. A warm welcome, it's episode 36, what a pleasure this one was to do, unbelievable. Tyson Kidd has come on the show, aka TJ Wilson if you watched Total Divas and you weren't familiar with him in WWE, and uh, can I just say a big thank you to Barry Horowitz and Richie Sorrentino for sorting this out, uh, I wouldn't have been on for this, it's, it's incredible getting a guy that I respected highly as a wrestler, he's now a producer, I've met TJ a few times at events and things, so it was an absolute honour to get him on. And uh, yeah, we talk about the origins, obviously him being around the Hart family, him then going into wrestling and beginning wrestling in 1995. He had a 20-year career wrestling, getting signed and being down in Deep South for a couple of years, then coming up to the main roster and also his time in NXT. He went to NXT, there was a plethora of talent down there. He had some awesome matches. I consider them some of the best, in my opinion, that he's done. So here we are, episode 36, part one of the two-parter with Mr. Tyson Kidd, a.k.a. TJ Wilson. Enjoy. Right, it's my honour and privilege to have on today on Stu's Wrestling Podcast, Mr. TJ Wilson, but you know him most notably as Tyson Kidd. How's it going, man? Good, man. How you doing? All good, all good. Right, first question is... I, I just have to say quickly, it's funny how this got set up by Barry Horowitz, of all people. Setting I know. Up, right? I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be on for these interviews without Barry, so I don't know how... how so funny, man. How am I going to pay it? How am I going to pay it back? I just don't know. How, he, probably, he, probably <laughs> won't, he probably won't want paying back, CJ, but... No, but I just thought it's so funny that... All of a sudden, I have a group chat on Facebook, and it's yourself and Barry Horowitz, and Barry's <laughs> saying, you know, saying nice things about you, and you know, so just so funny. The world, the world, and especially the wrestling world, is a very funny place. Man. It is, man. It is. How's lockdown been, TJ? Um, for me, it's been okay because I've been lucky enough to still been 
we've still been working. We've still been doing, um, you know, Raw and SmackDown and pay-per-view. So it's obviously a different schedule right now where we're taping some in advance just so you can kind of have like a, a bit of a, a break and a quarantine in between <clears throat> filming. But um, so for me, it's, it's kind of, I've been okay with it. And in terms of, uh, I finally decided to get on it rather than talk about it. And I've almost finished my, my home gym now. So uh, like, that's the cool thing that kind of, I kind of floated the idea around before, but never really fully committed to it. And then I'm a big gym lover and I got, I I had to commit to it through this. So, so for that, it's been okay. Obviously, you know, it's hopefully, hopefully we get all this under control and, well, I would like to see our, our lives resume back to normal for everybody. That's cool. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get onto wrestling now. When did you yeah. first? When did you first come across pro wrestling as a as a kid when you were younger, man? That's the that's the first one I've got to ask. Yeah. So I first came across it like as a young kid. Like uh, my older one of my older cousins showed it to me, and um, uh, man, it's real hazy. But I think I can remember like the Killer Bees and like Demolition. And uh, as, as uh, most young boys would do at that time, I watched some wrestling and then I wanted to uh, imitate what I saw on TV. And uh, I have two younger sisters and, um, and a single mom. So that wasn't uh, looked upon too highly in, in the household. And uh, wrestling quickly got taken away. I wasn't on to watch it anymore. And then, um, then I became friends with Teddy Hart in school. And then I got snowballed in, man. And SummerSlam. I started watching a lot more regularly because I'd be staying, I'd be like, you know, as a kid, you have sleepovers and stuff. We'd sleep over on the weekends and Saturday morning, you know, WWF challenge and WWF superstars comes on. So, uh, I started getting into it and then SummerSlam 92 and I know maybe it sounds cliche or whatever, but SummerSlam 92, Brett versus Davey. Uh, I didn't realize at that time, I didn't realize wrestling could look like that. And, uh, then like, I already was like getting, hooked and then that would that was like the final bite and i and and I, the bug had bitten me bad i was all, i i was i was at wembley stadium wow we traveled uh dad i was six years old yeah. traveled from north wales on the coast and we went down on the bus i was there man i i was in i was in that stadium so yeah, yeah. i wish it was funny harry too and harry's about six or seven at that time as well i wish i wish in some respects, I wish I was a little bit older when I was in the stadium. It's sure, kind of, sure. Yeah. Kind of, kind of a blur, but yeah, man. And to really understand it, right? You have 83,000 people yeah. all, kind of, all kind of cheering for the same common goal. Not, that's unbelievable. There was, a, there, was a, there was a split within the audience, though, as well. Yeah. Everyone yeah. thought it would have been all for Davey, but Brett just at the time... As you know, he, he had such, I mean, he has appeal everywhere, but such an appeal in, in Europe and Germany and there's just um, obviously in Canada, you know, and, and America too. But there's just some, if you, especially if you watch a lot of his stuff back, there's a certain like swagger that he had that maybe people didn't realize even at the time, but maybe like in your subconscious, it would kind of get you. And I, you're right. Like it, it was split in terms of obviously people want to see their hometown guy win, but then like throughout the match. And I think, you know, that body of work that he, put together especially you know SummerSlam 91 against Mr. Perfect I think you you know people really started to get behind Brett on a on a worldwide basis which guys just going back to you now and as yeah. a fan from a fan perspective which other guys did you enjoy watching at the time when you were growing up um so uh like obviously I'm I'm gonna be very biased in terms of uh you know Brett Davey Sean uh well Shawn Michaels for sure I would get chastised a little bit in the Hart family being a big Shawn Michaels fan uh, when we were younger. Uh, uh, Jim Neidhart, Baby Boy, um, Brian Pillman, I liked as a Jushin Liger. This, what's funny is now, then I would go back, I was only you know, 12, 13, 14, I, I was already starting to kind of do my homework and realize that like, all these Japanese guys had wrestled in Stampede Wrestling before, and then like, of course, Dynamite Kid, and, and then I started seeing like Dynamite Kid versus Tiger Mask, and I, I've heard about those matches, and this is, of course, pre-YouTube. Now I can find so much great stuff. But at the time, it just kind of like, if you maybe come across a tape, I don't know anything about tape trading when I'm at that age. Um, man, I liked, I liked a lot of funny, like, uh, I remember like when Lex Luger 
did the whole um, the Lex Express. Like I became a big Lex Luger fan for that period of time. I was very intrigued, like that he he was this bad guy literally the week before, and he bought San Yokozuna out of nowhere, and like that's like the storytelling really grabbed me at that time where I was like, wow, this, this really can happen just as quick as that. I want to scoot forward a bit with that. 19, Royal Rumble 1994, when they both dropped out, when they both yeah. dropped out at the same time, man, I was livid. I was, I wanted Brett, I wanted Brett, but it was yeah. cool. It was cool how they did that program, wasn't it? With the, uh, and that was the first time, right? Like a Royal Rumble had ended like that. And it was, that was so interesting. I remember like being like, the just that you're saying like, I wanted Brett to win, then I'm a little frustrated that he didn't quite win, but then like they kind of go off the air without saying really who won, and there's refs raising Brett's hand, and refs raising uh, Lex Luger's hand. It was, yeah, it was cool. It was very cool. Pre, pre-internet <clears throat> as well, TJ, which was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking uh, back, looking back, man, that, that's just how it was. Right, obviously, you're synonymous with the hearts. Can you have some stories about the hearts when you were younger? When you were with Teddy. Oh, man. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Like, I, I've been around the arts for almost 30 years of my life now, which is like, you know, three-fourths of my life. Um, I just can really remember the, um, the generosity that this giant family showed to everybody. But really to me as a, as a young boy, as a 10-year-old boy, I remember going up to Stu's for the first time um, for Sunday dinner and just like, like tons and tons of food for like, and, and, and it was, you know, that first time I'm invited, I, you know, every time actually was an honor, but that first time was like such an honor and I'm real nervous and I'm going up to Stu's for the first time for the Sunday dinner. But then I start to realize that like, every, my cats are messing around the background Then I'm starting to realize everybody's invited and like, they, they were so generous and Stu is such a generous person. And he really, I think passed that down to his, to his kids. Um, where like, you know, like I said, everybody's invited to the Sunday dinner and like that generosity, I think extends with, with all of them. Like, uh, you know, I, I lived for a while with Davey and Diana and, and Harry in Georgia and like nothing but generosity um, in Calgary, there's a very famous um, drive-through uh, hamburger place called Peter's Drive-In, very famous in Calgary. And um, when Brett was training for his return with Steve Austin, Teddy and I were going to his house a lot at that time, like almost every day after school and wrestling in his ring. And um, one time he gave me a ride home. And uh, he, he was dieting really hard for this match. I remember uh, Julie making this like green pasta that nobody likes, but uh, <laughs> Brett... Brad was trying to get it down. Anyway, uh, he, he stopped by this Peters and he said, he said, you like Peters? I said, yeah, man. And then I didn't say, yeah, man. I was like so nervous and shy. I, I, I might've peeked out. Yeah. And he ordered, uh, he ordered like a double burger and a single burger. And I was like, wow, he's ordering me a, he's ordering me a hamburger. That's so cool. And he gave me the double burger. Like that's how generous these, these people are. This is Bret Hart. At that time, he's, you know, former, uh, two two or three time world champion or, or you know what he's coming back to wrestle steve austin at survivor series 96 and like i don't know man that the family's generosity is like a giant thing that stands out to me and that's what i try to pay forward a lot of times with with my with my friends and people that i'm around it's cool man that's cool I, I, that's that's amazing that's just <laughs> i just i love the heart since i was yay big yeah but it's just cool it's just cool that you were in amongst it, especially especially then. Um, well, like, so, like, here's a funny story about that. So, like, <clears throat> um, Teddy's brother, so Teddy was away at school. He was going to, like, this uh, sports school in a different province. And um, I was at Sunday dinner with his brother, and this is the, the next Sunday is going to be WrestleMania 12. We're a week away from WrestleMania 12. And uh, Owen was at Sunday dinner, which is very rare. He's usually on the road. <clears throat> but he was there. And um, Teddy's brother was going to WrestleMania as a guest with um, his mom through Brett. And then Owen said, hey, TJ, are you going to WrestleMania? And I was like, of course I'm not going to WrestleMania. It's in Anaheim, California. It's not here in Calgary. Like, of course I'm not going. I said, no. He said, you're not going? I said, no. Like, uh, no. And then uh, I got home that night. And then uh, Teddy's mom called me and said, hey, um, Owen wants to invite you to WrestleMania 12 as his guest. He'll fly you down, but he you know, he, he knows how much you love wrestling and he would love for you to be his guest at WrestleMania 12. So I got to witness the Ironman match live because of 
again, Owen's generosity and just being at the Sunday dinner where Owen, on a whim and a week's notice, invites me to WrestleMania. It's insane. But you're just overwhelmed. Oh, un- unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, not, like I don't, even now I can't really express the, the gratitude yeah. of it. It's, it's hard. Oh, it's crazy, man. Right, yeah. going, I'm going to fast forward a bit. Into sure, 90, sure. 97. Obviously, Canadian, oh. stamp, Canadian Stampede. I've got to ask about it because, obviously, yeah. at the time, us as fans, we didn't know about the family as such, did we? Especially the kids and stuff. How, how was Canadian Stampede, the build-up, the day, everything? How was it? Gives me goosebumps. Gives <laughs> me goosebumps talking about Canadian Stampede, man. I can't watch that, that match, though feeling emotional um man the energy in that arena was so nuts it was so nuts there was there were um that was uh taka and the great sasuke have a match on that pay-per-view just kind of like with really no 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 like build or and like i remember seeing we were i was sitting front row with harry and um I remember seeing that match live and being blown away and being like, wow, like if this is the best thing on the show, that's awesome. And then of course the 10 man tag comes along and destroys everything on the entire show. And the crowd was unbelievable for the entire match. I don't know how long it is with entrances and everything. It's maybe 40 something minutes or close to 50 or something. I don't know. But, um, I'm sitting beside Harry and like, we can't really, we can't even speak to each other. It's so loud in that arena. And if you, if you go watch it back, you'll see the camera shaking a lot and you'll hear the announcers talking about a lot of times it's, uh, the sound doesn't always come through on TV in terms of like the arenas. Like I've been in arenas that are rocking. You watch on TV and it's good, but not quite what it sound like actually being there. And I mean, that, that night was one of the craziest, craziest things ever. And then the next, uh, that night we had, uh, there's a big barbecue at Stu's after the pay-per-view. And so, like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. It was a fun, fun time. And the next day, I drive up to Raw in Edmonton with um, Bruce Hart drove, but with uh, Davey Boy and Brian Tillman. Uh, what an experience for us. I, I was about to turn 17, but a 16-year-old kid. I just, um, just, just to go, just to touch upon Brett and Austin at the time. Yeah. That feud, man, that had more legs. That had more legs again, didn't it? I know they had a great... Oh, man. Imagine how smooth that could have gone if Brett hadn't have uh, gone to WCW. Dude, when I sit and, when I sit and like, fantasy book, could you imagine um, if somehow corporate, you know, Mr. McMahon character came, came about without, without the screw job? And then imagine, imagine, like... Brett siding with corporate Mr. McMahon against Steve Austin. As, oh my God, it's unbelievable. That would, their matches and that that everything they did uh, felt so real and felt very authentic. Can you imagine uh, if? Because think about their matches. The the WrestleMania 13 match, which I think uh, is the perfect match. Uh, the Survivor Series 96 match. Brett, Brett and Steve's matches were never for never for titles, especially no. never for the world title. Can you no. imagine you had that to it as well? Just, oh, I still, I still hold them. I, I'm not just blowing smoke because it's Brett, and obviously how well you know Brett. The, the matches, man, they're, they're still in the top three. I've got even um, just to go back to '92, TJ. Uh, yeah. Brett, Brett and Piper at WrestleMania eight, classic. Yeah, yeah. classic. Yep. Oh, it doesn't. It yeah. Does not, does not age. I don't know how you look at no. it. Performing. Yep. Same. Same thing. I think. Um, I I know that some studying went down. Like uh, I've been watching a lot of Brett's matches recently, and like, I just think. Can you imagine? Like, uh, yeah, man. Just yeah. It, it's funny to me that like his prime at forty years old, he was in his prime. Mm. That's crazy. And like he, and I think. I think Vince and I think WWF knew and Brett, they, they had such a, they, they knew each other so well that I think, you know, the, the WCW run never quite materialized to maybe what it could. Well, definitely didn't materialize to what it could or should have, unfortunately. But man, like if you just imagine like two years later, imagine like Brett versus Austin and imagine like what the rock ends up becoming and imagine Brett and the rock at that time. You know, I'm like, missed out on some really, really, really 
awesome moments and matches, I think, which, you know, uh, you can say that about a lot of things, it, but it just, with, with Brad, it feels a bit more real, I guess. So many lights, just so many guys. I, I, I obviously, I'd, I'd sit and watch Nitro as, as a kid, and I was, I was chuffed that he was there, but yeah, just... <laughs> Man, I could I could be wrong about this. So, well, I know I'm not wrong about this. So, we didn't get we didn't get Nitro until like '97 in Canada, which is wow. when Brett went there. Wow, I thought you'd have it in. And, yeah, and and it would air it would air on Wednesdays, and it would, it would air in the afternoon, the full uh, three hours because it was three hours at that time, I believe. It would air the full three hours. It would air in the afternoon, but I'd be in school that first year. And then at night, they would air a two hour version. So, like, it'd be oh. an hour to edit it out, but like. So I remember like watching and being like, oh, Brett wasn't on Nitro this week. But then like seeing something on the internet and being like, oh, no, he was on Nitro. His segment, for some reason, didn't air on Nitro in Canada, the, the 10 o'clock one. For, you think of all the segments you're going to keep on, yeah. on on Nitro in Canada. Our Bret Hart segment is going to be one that you keep on. But I don't, I don't, think, there was, I don't think there was a lot of um, like, uh, people managing certain things very well. And I think just a lot of things fell through the cracks. The most integral part of the show for Canada, and it's not on there. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Go figure, it, it, man. It's crazy. it's crazy. Right, I'm going to get to you now, and about how you sure. got your, how you got your start training. Um. So, in um, 1994, the summer, uh, Teddy's brother, who who passed away a few years, two years later, from um, flesh eating disease uh he and harry wrestled the match every every summer they'd run these two two shows in this little town called rockyford alberta about uh an hour outside of calgary this rodeo and Stu had a great relationship and they'd bring him in for over 30 years so anyway uh some the family got an idea that harry and and matthew have a match and um i remember sitting in the crowd it's funny I kind of, like, I wasn't growing out of wrestling by any means, but I was kind of, you know, maybe, I, I was watching every week, but I was kind of doing my own thing. And I remember they, I had a video camera, and um, Teddy came to my house to borrow my video camera. And then um, I had a friend over, and I was like, ah, you guys can just borrow it. I'm not going to come with you. And then they're like, my friends are like, well, actually, I'm going to go home. And I was like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll come check out these, these matches with you guys. So I go there, and Teddy and I are sitting in the front row, and we watch his younger brother, and we watch Harry have this match. And then, like, same thing as like watching that SummerSlam 92 match where I got bit as a fan. Now this time I got bit like, okay, next summer we're doing this too. And like, we literally like trained ourselves for like that whole year, just like wrestling on a crash pad. And then like, um, if Owen came by, he would like give us a tip or two. Like everyone would always help us out. We always had help. And then, um, July, 1995, uh, I had my first match at that Rocky for Grodio. It's a tag match. Uh, Teddy and his brother Matthew against myself and Harry. And um, uh, I mean, I've never felt so nervous in my life. And, uh, <laughs> but but then, like when it was done, it was very rewarding. It was, I mean, not not only when it was done, when I was in it, it was rewarding. But the, I just remember being so nervous before and being like, man, like. I don't like this feeling. This this sucks. But then the trade off for how good you feel in the ring and after. You get used to it, and um, and then after that, we started we started uh, going down to the dungeon. Started going down the. Uh, I'm sorry, I take that back. The next summer, we did another tag match, and then we started coming down to the dungeon on a regular basis since I was 16 years old. <laughs> I know. I've obviously heard many times about Stu and the dungeon. Yeah, yeah. Your personal experiences in the heralded, highly proclaimed dungeon. That's how I want to hear now. Uh, man, I there was some hard, 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 hard training down there. Um, before I, no, that's so. A little bit after my first match, there was um, there was a show. I think it's on YouTube. Part of it is the Stu birthday show from like 1995. The main event is uh, actually Brett versus Baby, and two days later they have the In Your House match from Hershey. Um, but there was there was this Brett Hart birthday show and so tsn which is like canada's espn at the time they came down and they were filming some stuff and uh they were filming a bunch of footage of stew and i you know now at this point i'm a i'm a staple of these sunday dinners and being around the house all the time so 
I get called downstairs because like none of the, there's only a couple other the grandkids around. And then next thing I know, Stu's stretching me on the mat in front of these cameras, and I'm trying not to like, I try not to show that I'm in pain, but every single thing hurts so much, and and I'm just trying to hold it in. And then you know, Stu had his, he had this um, unbelievable, almost like melody of submission holds, like one that translates to the other, transition to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And they're all, they're all finishing. They're all finishing holds. I'll tap out to every single one of them. I don't, I don't need 10 of them. I'll tap out to the first. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, so that was the first time I really got stretched by Stu. And I got stretched by Stu, you know, a few, on a few more occasions, uh, dem demonstrating holds and stuff like that. And of course, it's, uh, especially in Calgary at that time, I mean, not at that time, but I think in general, but it was, in Calgary wrestling, that was, you know, uh, a thing of honor. And mm -hmm. And it definitely was, but man, it, it hurt. It hurt like hell. <laughs> yeah. Is wrestling fixed? I didn't know it was broken. This is Bill Apter, and in my book titled "Is Wrestling Fixed?" I didn't know it was broken. You can find out all the backstage stories. What is Vince McMahon really like? What's Triple H really like? How about my relationship through the years with Ric Flair, the American Dream, Jerry the King Lawler, and much more? Go right now to Amazon.com or any place you buy your books and look for "Is Wrestling Fixed?" I didn't know it was broken by Bill Apter. See you at the matches. GTG, often imitated but never duplicated. You can't have brawl at the shoulder, nine at the hip. No other promotion. Give us any lip. We the best of the best. The beast of the east. SOS, simply out of sight. GTG. What he said, good times down to you. How did uh, your early career progress? Obviously, you're saying about the bookings and stuff. Where yeah. Did you go, where did you go from the early bookings in Calgary? So then. Calgary Stampede Wrestling actually now they in '97 um, we had a bunch of amateur wrestlers and stuff. We were doing amateur wrestling and, and Diana and Davey kind of like uh, almost recruited these three coaches to come and kind of learn pro wrestling. They were like young guys that were teaching amateur wrestling, and I kind of kind of um, reached their pinnacle of, of amateur wrestling. One of them was uh, maybe a national champion. They, they they all three were very good amateur wrestlers and. Davey thought they'd be very good at, uh, professional wrestlers as well. So now they, they started coming to the dungeon and training. And then, like, and then, you know, all of a sudden we kind of had, not we, but, like, Ross and Bruce had a, had a roster of guys that could kind of, everyone was really, really green, but they had a roster of guys that could kind of run shows with. So now, um, so we started running a bunch of shows around Alberta. Not, but we stayed out of Calgary. I think the theory was, like, we don't, we can't, without trying to hurt anyone's feelings or like, we can't really showcase everybody in Cal. We can't showcase Calgary, you guys to Calgary yet because Calgary is very, um, they've seen some amazing wrestling over the years and they're going to give you a chance. And if you go the, if they go the one time and the wrestling's not up to par, Calgary might walk away from it. So, uh, for like two years, these guys and myself, when I could, we were wrestling on all these small little shows up all around Alberta. Sometimes you might have an awesome crowd of like, you know, say like 400 people or something, 500, I don't know. And sometimes you're wrestling in front of six people or whatever. And, you know, but it's all experience and it's all just reps, 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 reps. And then Stampede Wrestling um, started on TV and we, they did a year of TV in 99 and 2000. And I was on some of those shows. And um, from that, uh, the guy who started this thing called Matt Rats, he was a part of Stampede Wrestling. And then later, um, Ross Hart introduced me to my Japanese trainer, Tokyo Joe. And then that's when I started going to New Japan and things, and I went to England and things started really happening for me. Where, whereabouts in England? Which, uh, which promotions? Uh, also, I wrestled for All Star Wrestling. I, did, um, I was there for four months in 2005 from June, I'm sorry, from January till the beginning of May. Wow. Um, I'm trying to think if I, I wrestled for maybe a one called like GCW once with Mikey Whiplash. Um, and um, Davey's, Davey's father actually came to the show in, uh, it was a little outside of Goldborn. And um, uh, both times I went there was for, was for all-star wrestling. So I was wrestling like the Botlands camps and, but the first, the first time I was there was a lot of town shows, uh, Croydon and a lot of, uh, a lot of places like that. Was it? Was it? 
Good. Was it good coming over to the UK at that time? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was very good. It was good for me to to experience wrestling like that at a, on a like on a full time basis. Like, um, I, I just I, I have a weird memory for certain things, but I know that that first time I was there, I was there for 105 days, and we did. I, I was wrestled 75 shows in those 105 oh. days, and and then the next time I was there, which was right before my tryout with WWE, I, um, I was there for 63 days. I was there for nine weeks. I had 56 shows. So I had seven days off in nine weeks. <laughs> and yeah, so it just, um, it, 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 it's, it's a ton of reps, man. And you learn a lot. I learned a lot in England. I, I, I definitely value my time there. I didn't, I didn't, uh, look back at it with any kind of, you know, bad feelings or anything. I enjoyed my time there and, and I definitely learned a lot and took a lot away from there. Adding stuff to your tool belt in the early career. Sure, one hundred percent. That's cool. Like there was a guy that was a trainee uh, under the school there, and like his very first match one day is uh, him and one of the guys against myself and Chad Collier. Uh, you know, Chad's been wrestling a long time too. At that time, I've been wrestling for eleven years, which seemed long. Now, now it doesn't, but it seemed long at the time. And this is this guy's very first match ever. So, like, there, there was a lot of things. Like, you, when you're wrestling someone for their first match, you really have to, like, you have to put yourself back in in your in the time you had your first match. And like, how did you feel? And how, like, I, I can tell you, I know. I just, I told you, I know. I'm nervous. I, so I could only imagine. I, I was wrestling my friend. He doesn't like. He he is friendly. He and I were friendly. He knows me, but he's never wrestled. He doesn't know if that switch flicks and i'm a different person so uh it was cool it was it, like I, I learned a lot there like you said just adding different things putting different things in my tool belt especially in terms of wrestling on like that constant of a basis that's cool man when like just on a timeline basis now when was the call from wwe for like developmental so this is um <clears throat> when i while i was over there in the summer of 2006 i got a call confirming like hey your tryout is the first week of october at deep south so while i was over there i knew that i had my tryout coming up who else was who else was in in and around deep south at the same time as you uh, so natty was natty and i had a tryout at the same time as well as um off the junior manu and uh guys that were there were uh luke gallows kurt hawkins uh zach Ryder, all all still very good friends of mine. Um, Sonny Siaki was there. Um, Brad J. Uh, Connor from Ascension. Uh, Chrissy Dane. Uh, Angelina Love. Kevin Matthews, I think, was... Oh, he was there for my trial, but he, he was injured. That's, the, that's quite yeah. a list of names, that. Yeah, yeah. When I was and asked, it was really cool. Dave Taylor. Dave Taylor was one of the coaches there. But I don't. Uh-huh. I I teamed with Dave and wrestled with Dave in England. So when I walked in, I'm so nervous for my tryout. So nervous, and I walk in, and the first face I see is Dave Taylor, and he's like DJ. And then like, man, I I didn't feel at ease, but it definitely Hell. eased the situation. Uh, MVP was another one. MVP was the first oh, guy. Did, he was the first guy I did a drill with it in um the deep south. It's great. I, I know it's like the present. It's good seeing MVP back on TV. Yeah, yeah, man. He's been doing awesome, you know. He's a, he's a hell of a character. Can't, charisma, can't be taught. Oh, yeah. Oh, can't yeah. be taught, can it? <laughs> no, no. So from, from Deep South, what, what, what happened after the tryouts? What was happening then for you? So I did the tryout. They called me back about a month later, and then I had to wait on my work visa. Then I, when I finally got to Deep South, um, there had been a coaching change, and Dr. Tom Pritchard was the coach. And I'd actually team with him on an indie show in Seattle, Washington. So same thing. I kind of had a little bit of a – you know, only one night, but I, at least I kind of knew him coming in. It was better than not knowing the guy. Uh, and Dr. Tom turned out to be a huge influence on my career and a huge um, – like I did, I did close to two years in developmental and uh, I couldn't have asked for a better coach for those two years than Dr. Tom. He understood um, what I needed to work on and he understood how to help me. And he, he understood for me, he understood what I really liked about Dr. Tom as a trainer, especially in the WWE system. 
he's very good at understanding individuals and he knows that like at that time I've been already wrestling a certain number of years and some guys in there were were brand new some had maybe three or four years and we, we were all over, we were all over the place uh so he knew like I'd already wrestled for a bit and he knew like I needed to work on promos I needed to work on on maybe these aspects of things um but then he also knew that I could he believed I could get a good match out of a lot of people. So I'd wrestle a lot of brand new guys. Like I wrestled like Bo, Bo Rotundo's first match is against me. Dave Otunda's first match, like in practice matches is against me. Um, a lot of these guys, their first match is against me. Um, I remember Dr. Tom pulled me aside once and just said, Hey, I, you know, I hope you don't think, I think, you know, poorly of you make you only wrestle new guys he said i actually it's opposite i think very highly of you and i want to see what you can get out of these guys and uh, i told him i i understood and it was not a big deal but he he also made a point not to really grind my body into the into the ground he knew that i'd already put in the time not i'd already you you're always you always kind of you'll, you'll never be done you know kind of repaying the business i get that but he he kind of knew that there's no point of running me into the ground and he, he knew that I loved and respected the business. So he didn't have to like beat that into me. That was already there. That was already instilled in me. I'm already, I'm already like, we're on the same page already. I don't need, I don't need it to be, uh, worked into me. I'm there. So. How was it? Obviously I'm, I'm assuming you were crafting a move set down in deep, deep self. How was it putting together your moves and your uh, persona? Yeah. So that is an awesome question that I've never been asked. That is, yeah, yeah, that's an awesome question. Sorry. So deep south, and then I was there for a month, and then it closes down, and we moved to Florida for FCW. <clears throat> but you're 100% right. So uh, in Stampede Wrestling, I wasn't the biggest guy there, but I also wasn't the smallest. And then um, I mentioned Matt Ratz. So Matt Ratz was this concept where you the, the, the talent, the performers were 21 years and under. So I was like training a lot of kids at the time, 15, 16 year old, 17 year old, 18 kids that, so they were smaller. So I wasn't able to like have a, have a combination of like quick moves, high flying moves and, and power stuff. And then you come to WWE and you realize real quick that at 5'10 and 190 pounds, those power moves are out the window. They don't exist anymore. Uh, there was not a 205 live at the time when I, when I was first signed, I wish when I got called up to the main roster, the only guys in my, my size were, were Jamie Noble, Ray Mysterio and, and Evan Bourne. And otherwise, otherwise, you know, we're kind of in the land of the giants. So I, when you talk about moveset, my moveset changed where I realized, okay, I'm not going to be thrown. And not, not that I, not that I thought that anyway, but even when I went to Japan, in Japan, a lot of times I'm a junior heavyweight and I'm wrestling other junior heavyweights so we're similar size. So I can do same thing, a combination of moves that involve some power, some speed. And I, like I said, you come to WWE and you're wrestling. Uh, he's not there at the time, but I, I like to use him as an example. But I don't think people realize just how big like Eric Rowan is. But he's like six foot eight and 300 and like 60 pounds. And so believe it or not, you're not throwing Eric Rowan around. You got to find other ways. How are you going to knock him down? What are you going to do to Eric Rowan? And you got to, and I really, under, I really started to understand, you know, thinking outside the box like that. And that was like one of the things I really, really, really learned in, um, in my time in developmental was how to wrestle someone that um, maybe is a little bit green and how to, how to adjust my, what my offense and how I'm going to tell this story. I really learned that in developmental. Do you think the two years in developmental was the right amount of time for you? For you? It, it, it was perfect. It was perfect. I look back on those two years uh, with fond memories. And, and it's not like I look back now with fond memories and during the time I didn't like it, I liked my time there too. I'd wake up with a smile on my face and go to practice with a smile on my face every day, knowing that I was uh, on the road to achieving my dream and I, I signed a WWE contract and now I'm, now the work begins and I'm putting in this work and we had great coaches and Billy Kid. Once Billy Kidman came along, uh, another awesome coach, Norman Smiley, Norman Smiley came and like changed everything. All of a sudden everyone's working all these holds and stuff, which was really awesome. But like I was doing, I was already working these holds before Norman came. Then he, he changed the landscape. Uh, Steve Kern, Dr. Tom, Dusty Rhodes then came in. Man, we had such a great, great, great crew of 
trainers down there, I literally was happy to go, go to work every day. Right. I'm going to ask this now. Um, obviously, I remember yourself, Natty, and Harry coming up to the, to the main roster. How was that being the new Heart Foundation? Oh, man. So that was insane. Uh, I remember uh, – so the, the day that Harry debuts with us, is it's me against Finley, me against Fit, and then uh, Harry comes out and we, we drop Fit and the, the crowd – was booing like crazy. We're in Dayton, Ohio. And, um, man, it was great heat. It was great heat. And I remember thinking like, man, this is really cool. I think, I think we kind of onto something. And, um, the next week we had a, we had a backstage pre-tape and they were like, Hey, have you heard, have you heard your new music? And we're like, no. And then they like, they played it for us in this little room. And like, it had, you know, Natty still has like the same music. So it has that little riff, like Brett's music. And I'm, you know, obviously, Brett's, Brett's run by himself, but also that group of the Heart Foundation. Like, that's literally what it brought me back to, that beginning part of the song. And, uh, like, here's Natty and Harry, who I'm very close with. Like, I trained Natty. Um, Harry and I have trained together for, at that time, <laughs> almost a decade and a half. So to be, to be a team on WWE TV is, like, it's like – Somebody wrote this in a book somewhere, and for some reason, we're living this. Like, it was, it was literally like a – I mean, it sounds, again, so cliche, but it's a dream come true. Literally, we'd spent so much time on the road and talking about wrestling prior to, to being a team on WWE TV. At one point, Harry was living with us at our apartment in Florida. We had an 800-square-foot apartment, and Harry's six foot five, so I had 800 square feet doesn't go too far. <laughs> with a guy that big and uh it was the three of us living in this little apartment like we spent a, that's in 2007 we spent a lot of time together before we become the heart dynasty who did you who did you enjoy mixing it up with in the early days so originally sorry i'm just trying to adjust this thing yeah it's all right does that set look okay you're cool man you're all you're in line you're in line in so, the shop. so so originally we um we were wrestling a lot of a lot of random teams on like ECW would be like uh <clears throat> like Christian like what it was you know stuff to do with angles but it was like Christian and Jack Swagger then Swagger leaves and then it's kind of us two on one on Christian and then it'd be like uh there was one time uh Fit got poked in the eye really hard in a backstage in LA so then the match like he really doesn't get cleared for the match the match was to be a six man tag turns to a three on two. I think it was like Tommy Dreamer, Christian against uh, me, Harry and Jack Swagger. So like it just was, we were wrestling random people that time. Then we got moved to SmackDown. And then, uh, then our, I'm trying to think. So June, June, 2009 until March, 2010. So our, our eight, eight, you know, seven or eight month uh, crime time marriage began. And we wrestled crime time all the time, all the time. And um, I learned a lot from crime time. I learned a lot about personality and charisma and how much, how much that truly, truly matters. Not that I, not that I didn't, I knew it mattered, but with those guys, I really started to figure it out. Cause you know, it was funny. Like they, they were masters of that. And then we, you know, we, we, focused on the wrestling side of things and somewhere in our matches we, we met in the middle and I think I think we walked away with a little bit with more personality than we came in with and I think they walked away with more wrestling than they came in with and I think it was a it was a cool trade there were times where um it maybe get frustrating because we're literally only wrestling them all the time like I remember going to tv in Miami and we'd film superstars before we filmed smackdown and I wrestled crime time in a two-segment match on superstars we wrestled them again in a six six-person tag with Natty and Eve on the different teams uh, on SmackDown. So I wrestled them twice in one night. And, um, but I look back on the same thing. I look back on those with a smile on my face. And I, I really learned, I really, like I said, I learned a lot from those guys. I learned a lot of, um, just like I said, how important personality and charisma really, really is. You, know, you, went, you went, obviously, you turned face after a while as, as a team. What, yeah, WrestleMania. What do you... I was there for that. <laughs> um, what did you prefer, in your personal opinion? Did you prefer it as heel or was face? Was it just cool and doing being different? Yeah. So you know what? It's funny. Like if I had to pick one, 
Oh man, I don't know. I would guess if I had to pick one, and I only can be one for the, like my whole career. I guess I'll say a heel. But the truth is, I like doing both, and I like doing one for a little while and and switching. And like, there was a time, and you know, maybe it wasn't the the all time best, but I wasn't really being utilized on TV after we break up and uh, on live events. I would, I so technically I was a heel if you would see me on TV. But on live events, since I didn't have like a big TV presence on live events, I just would kind of be a baby face. And it was like, so it was kind of fun on like Friday, Saturday and Sunday to be one thing. And then Monday and Tuesday, I'm a different thing. And that was, and, and then it came full circle when in teaming with Cesaro because we were heels. And then wrestling the New Day, the fans in Europe turned, turned. I started in Philly at the Royal Rumble. It started there. They were crazy cheering for us there and booing New Day. And then in Europe, after WrestleMania, that tour, it was the most fun I've ever had in my entire career because we just, we just went on the fly and just felt the yeah. crowd's reaction. One night we were in a town in Poland. I know I'm jumping around here, but one no, night no, we were in a town no, in carry Poland. On, it's the first time WWE's ever been to this city, ever. And um, their TV is seven weeks behind American TV. So I don't know if they've seen fans booing New Day yet or not. So... They're seven weeks behind, so to them, New Day still really liked. So when we come out, it was just literally just kind of judging the crowd to see how it went, and they started booing New Day and chanting New Day sucks, and man, it was so fun. It was so much fun, that tour. I, I, that's easily my favorite tour I ever – that's the most fun I probably ever had in wrestling. That's cool, man. That's cool. I want, to, I, I want to talk about you as a singles wrestler, and I, yeah. I felt – my personal opinion, uh, your body of work when you went to NXT. Oh. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed you being in NXT. How, how was it going to NXT to work with the guys you worked with? Obviously, there was a plethora of talent in there. And, and, I, and I knew that. I, I, I'm pretty good at um, – I'm, I'm not always right by any means, but I'm pretty good at looking at people and knowing that people are talented and seeing the talent in them maybe sometimes before they see their full potential. And I'm pretty good at um, kind of figuring out, like, okay, if this person can kind of get this, and they don't even know it yet, then they're going to become this. And uh, doing NXT, I remember the first time I saw – because I'm good friends with them, and I um, uh, we would stay in contact a lot prior to him getting signed and then him getting signed, uh, Tyler Breeze. But when he came up with the Tyler Breeze character, I knew right then, like, okay, like, I, I have always known this kid has something. He has a lot of something. It's just a matter of putting your finger on it and, and executing it. And the first time I saw that Tyler Breeze character, and he came out with the phone, and they might have even been against, like, Angela Dawkins. Might have been the first time I saw him. He does a spin kick to him. The whole match is just Breeze on his phone, on his phone, on his phone, on his phone, and finally she does a spin kick. One, two, three. It's one move. And right then I knew, like, this guy's going to be something. And like, he's got a lot of, okay, he found it. And I was like, so happy. And then when I started doing the NXT stuff, um, Breeze had his, he had his character stuff down. And um, that first takeover, like on that first arrival, Breeze, I think he, he and Woods kind of get crushed by Rusev. And then a couple months later on that takeover, he wrestles Sammy. And those guys had an awesome match. And um, Breeze steals a win. And right then I knew, like, okay, like, he's, 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 he's on this, he's on this title level and he's in our world. Man, I don't mean that in a, I don't mean like, oh, we're up here, but I just knew like, okay, awesome. Like now give us Breeze, give me Breeze too. Let me work with this guy. I know I'm a, I know I'm now a heel. He's a heel. I don't care. Let me team with them. Let us fight each other. Just give me him and I can, let me put my hands on this guy because I, I, can figure some things out that I need to figure out. But my time in NXT was so fun, man. It was so fun. I watched, um, I watched the girls come up and develop what they, what they became, the women, unbelievable. Uh, Paige and Emma on that first arrival. And then Natty and Natty and Charlotte on takeover. It was, it was, <laughs> it was horrible to try to follow it with, ne with Neville. <laughs> If I go back in time, I'd ask if we can go on first and let Brett and Rick be out there last. How about that? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fun, man. It was, that, my NXT time was so fun. Uh, to see Neville 
to see Neville go from where people maybe just thought he kind of was a good athlete and could do some good stuff and to actually under, to actually see and understand that he's actually a great wrestler and a great worker, one of the best I've ever been in the ring with. Um, Sami Zayn was a lot of fun to wrestle. You know, we, we would uh, we would once in a while butt heads in a, in, a, in a mutual way, putting matches together just in terms of we both want the best for everything and it's never with any malice. But once we got out there, it was nothing but fun with Sammy. Uh, like I said, Breeze, I, 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 my funny story that I talk about NXT a lot is um, Finn's first day as an active wrestler on the, on the brand is, so we film, we film four episodes of NXT in one day. And uh, the first match on the, or not, I don't know if it's the first match on the first show, but on the first show, it's, it's uh, Finn and Hideo against myself and Justin Gabriel. And we have two segments. And then the next show, episode two, it's myself against CJ Parker, Juice, Juice Robinson. And, uh, and I cut a promo about Finn. The third show is me against Finn in, uh, in a two-segment singles match. And then the fourth show is myself and Breeze against Finn and Hideo, two segments. And I remember driving home. Uh, from Orlando that day and being like, man, I just wrestled four matches in under four hours. Uh, three of them are two segment matches. I was like, I was proud of myself. I said, not everyone, not everyone that does what we do can do what we just did. And um, I, I had a lot of those moments in NXT. Like there was one time I remember I was like, man, I'm so sick of hearing my own music. I think it played like seven times in a one, three episode taping. And I was like, uh, I, I wrestled Breeze in a singles match. Um, we did a promo segment with Regal where he announces the fatal four-way match. Uh, then we did a tag team match, uh, myself and Breeze against Sammy and, and Neville. And then I wrestled Adam Rose. So sorry, my music played seven times in four episodes. <laughs> and I was like... And How about the next for this? It's not by coincidence that the next time you saw me in NXT, I came out with headphones on. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> I was sticky hearing my own music. I was, I, was, I was done. I was coming out with headphones from then on. A big thank you to Stephen Ash and Ed Dowling for producing the track. It's Stu's Wrestling Podcast, The Theme. So thank you very much for that, lads. Much appreciated. Love it. It fits really well, so cheers. Thanks to you. Big thank you to Mike Angus for the show intro, as always. Superb, superb. Chris Dutton, thank you very much for editing once again. Appreciate it, buddy. And also to Lee, who does my website. Lee puts the stuff up on the website. Without you guys, I'd be screwed. So once again, as always, appreciate everything you do for me and the time you spend doing the things you do for me. It means a lot, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.